Washed Up Emo sponsors New Belgium Brewing are celebrating their 30th anniversary as a company. To celebrate, they're releasing Wild Ride Amber IPA, a happy tribute to their iconic fat tire. Even better, New Belgium Brewing are giving away bikes and gear all year. Find out more information by visiting newbelgium.com. Do you ever wonder if your favorite band is emo? Tired of being in the same conversation with friends? Not knowing if you're listening to post-hardcore, screamo, emo revival, emo emo violence, even ska. We're We're here here to to help. help. The Emo Council is here staffed and ready for any question you may have. Hey, Emo Council, just wondering if Green Day was considered an emo band. Thanks. Green Day is not an emo band. Okay. From the creators of Washed Up Emo, isthisbandemo.com offers the definitive answer to the only important question of your day. Hey, is this been emo? Forgive me for running off the fine the one day Hello and welcome to the Washed Up Emo Podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. Today, Corey Castro of the band Free Throw joins us for episode 104. Free Throw just released their best work to date on Triple Crown Records entitled Bear Your Mind. And it is worthy of your time to listen to it. They are part of the new era of bands from the independent scene. And Free Throw would have fit just as good in the 90s as they do now. Thank you for supporting the podcast and those that support via Patreon. It helps immensely. This is episode 104 of the Washed Up Emo podcast with Corey Castro from Free Throw. Ready? Yeah. All right. Corey from Free Throw. Thanks for being on the podcast. Hey, yeah. I'm very excited to be here. Brooklyn. What's up, Brooklyn? Graffiti everywhere. Uh, no gunshots. Just kidding. It's Williamsburg. We're gonna we're gonna see uh, more Prada bags than gunshots. Uh, I I've already noticed so far. <laughs> it's one of those hot days. <laughs> uh, so you did you grow up in Nashville? Yeah, born and raised Nashville, Tennessee. Now no one's moving there now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't noticed a single outsider. Not a single one. Um, what what is that like? I mean, I. I had been there a few times for work things, you yeah. know, but then these last five, six years, it just seems like, I mean, yes, it's always been epicenter of music industry. Yeah, kind of, yeah. But then to, it's more now, not just country. Yeah, no, it's it's everything now, which is uh, which is really fucking weird, to be honest. Really? Am I, am I cool to cuss? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. to make sure. Um, yeah, it's... it's it's just really weird, uh, especially growing up in Nashville, being born there. I was born in a hospital called Westside Women's Hospital, which is now called Centennial Hospital mm-hmm. in Nashville, in 1988. So I've lived there my entire <laughs> life. Uh, and to be honest, it's it's weird to see that the way the city is now. Like The way the city was when I grew up is a lot different than the way it is now. Uh, now when I walk around, people are like, oh, so where are you from? And I'm like, uh... Here, Here. <laughs> <laughs> they treat me like I'm a unicorn or something. Yeah, <laughs> which is really it's really weird. 
to think about that because me and Justin, who plays bass in the band, he's my little brother. Ah. Uh, so we're both born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee. So for a scene growing up, finding punk rock kids in a t- in a country town, yeah. How did that happen? Um, honestly, we because shows up, came through. Yeah, that's yeah, around, but like shows through. came through, but it was like it's so dominated. Yeah, by like that. country music and stuff. I. Uh, well, and one of the cool things that led me to punk rock is that, you know, a lot of punk rock finds its roots in country music, uh, sometimes especially older country music like, you know, Hank Williams and stuff like that. Like, punk, a lot of punks are very into that kind of music. And so... Rockabilly stuff. Yeah, especially. Uh, when I was in my... We moved outside of Nashville whenever I was in my early teenage years. Uh, and so we were living in this, like, area where there was nothing to do. And so I just, uh, in high school, I started, you know, drinking and smoking pot with my friends. Yeah. And uh, one thing led to another. I had a friend who was really into, like, street punk, like, rancid and stuff like that. It's so, always the first sketchy friend and I you was, meet. Yeah. <laughs> and I was really into skateboarding at the time. I started skateboarding at the age of 10. So I was really into that. And that the skateboard culture kind of led me to punk rock, I guess. Uh, and to hip-hop as well, which I've been into for a very, very long time. And... In Nashville, there wasn't really a, a, a huge scene for it. Probably until right around the time I was a senior in high school, uh, I started noticing there were more punk shows coming through town. There was a venue called The Muse, which was this dirty-ass place. Uh, it was an ongoing joke about people who actually use the bathroom there. Like, you don't go close to them. You know? <laughs> uh, but and then the Exit Inn yeah, was Exit there, Inn too. Was, Exit Inn's always been there. It's always been like kind of like the cooler, like a little bit upscale punk rock. Place. And then you have the end across the street, yes, which is a staple in our scene even today. Uh, but yeah, I started going to these shows at these dirty punk rock clubs. You know, uh, just out of nowhere, friends were inviting me, and I started going. And now I'm living the lifestyle. Like, <laughs> yeah, but what what was like? Was there like a band, or was there what's like? I mean, it's funny how you say skateboarding and thrasher because yeah. a lot of bands that were from you know growing up in the 80s when you were you know you were still a thought uh that was it thrasher and you know those those punk videos that's where you heard about bands and then it was like the underground yeah i actually a lot of the bands i started listening to i heard from skate videos um modest mouse i first heard in no way i heard the song edit the sad parts uh, which really turned me on to the whole idea of listening to bands like uh, Sunny Day Real Estate and uh, eventually American Football and things like that. I, I was really into like the kind of like the darker side of you know the the earlier emo days, like Page Ninety Nine, yeah, and uh, stuff like that. So, which I just heard about the reunion shows, and I'm like, <laughs> I really want to go, but we're so busy these days. Oh, it's like damn. hard for me to make it out. Yeah, anywhere. but um, yeah. So skate videos, it's definitely it definitely was something that skateboarding was definitely something that brought me into the scene and uh there were a few bands around town especially when i was in high school uh i went to this school for my first year of high school i was in ninth grade i went to a school called wilson central high school outside of mount juliet tennessee and there was like a old emo-esque band that played this local place called cafe express called oliver's army interesting um 
and I saw them for the first time, and that, I think that was the initial bite. I think that was when I was. This like, is it. This is the kind of music that I want to make, or that I like to listen to and want to do. Did you go out and buy instruments right after that? Or uh, I had actually been playing music a little bit before that, but just kind of dabbling. Uh, I got my first guitar from my dad when I was six. That's uh, nice and early. Yeah, thanks, he, dad. My dad. My dad. My dad always kind of like was into writing country music and trying to be a country singer. He's not the best at it by any means. He he can play some chords. You yeah. Know? But it was always like a kind of a thing he was interested in. And so I told him I wanted a guitar when I was six, and that's what I got for my birthday, just some really you know shitty little acoustic guitar. Of course. Um, so I'd been dabbling around. But around that time, yeah, is when I first decided, like, I'm gonna, I want to put my mind to this. I want to learn how to play guitar. I think I was about 13 years old. Um, and I started playing guitar around that time. Were there other people that you had friends in school that were playing bass or drums? Like, did you have that kind of Actually, thing yet? Uh, no, there wasn't at that time. I didn't meet anyone else who played instruments until my sophomore or junior year. Wow. And that's when I started playing in bands is because I finally met other people that yeah. played music. And you were probably going to shows. You were probably yeah, going, yeah. you know, hanging out. <laughs> I was kind of a little, a little bit of an outsider. I was kind of a wall hugger, you know, at the time. Like, I'd go to the shows and I'd just stand up against the yeah. wall. Um. Uh, and the funny story is, is that my, at the time, my little brother was still into skating and all of that kind of stuff. He was he was actually a rollerblader. Uh, oh, no way. He was very, very good at it. And There's a separate skill for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was really into that. And so he didn't even play music until I was in... We were both in college uh, when I taught him how to play the bass guitar. Did you guys go to the same school? Or Yeah, what? we went to Middle Tennessee State University. Yeah. Um, what did you do when you were there? Was it, was it more bands? Was it? I went there to join a band. That was the idea because at the time, uh, the majority of the Nashville like hardcore metal and punk rock scene was coming out of that school. Uh, so that's pretty much why I went there. You went to <laughs> punk rock school. <laughs> yeah, I went there because I wanted to join a band. That was the whole idea. Yeah, he went there just because I was there, and he he had ended up having really good grades and got a scholarship to go there. And nice. Your parents were happy? <laughs> yeah, they were happy about that until, you know, he dropped out. <laughs> oh, sorry, Mom and Dad. <laughs> yeah, they're happy now. You okay, know. good. <laughs> you know, one thing I did learn in college is how to drink, that's for sure. Yes. Uh, I'm straight edge, but I saw people do it. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with being straight edge at all. I actually have a high respect straight edge people i came I, I grew up a lot in the punk and hardcore community so i have plenty of friends who are yeah 100 straight edge i mean in you know i have some older friends that are in their like mid 40s now like almost to their 50s that are still straight edge still representing to this day yeah yeah i think it's a the, i i took that as a positive thing where a lot of my friends were getting fucked up mm-hmm. and doing dumb shit and i was going to shows and meeting people and yeah. getting records and and i remember uh, my sister had this like curfew she's older than me and my parents didn't have a curfew for me on weekends for shows because they knew i wasn't being stupid <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> it's, it's like it's a, that's a nice that's a nice pro i know, you know on the list there. a con well it's quite a few it's fine uh from the from college like did you i mean you said you went to school for that yes you had a major yes you were yeah i was a philosophy major actually. perfect <laughs> Corey. these are all lining up to be a great band <laughs> uh and then when did you feel like all right i'm gonna do this for real we're gonna take this swing um it was actually in my 
it was my second year of college. I had been trying to join a band for a while, and I ended up living at a house with a couple guys that were in a, a band uh, that I ended up joining. It was like a metal band. I, I wasn't really looking to be in a metal band, but I didn't have anything to do. They, I played guitar. I jammed with them all the time. Uh, they were about to do a full U.S. tour and needed a bass player. And so I basically, with the help of my dad, sold off what few things I could, uh, bought a bass rig. No way. Joined a band at 19 and went uh, no for shit. my first full U.S. tour. Was that like on the summer? Yeah, it was a summer. full U- My first tour ever. No full shit. Full U.S. tour. Uh, How cool is that? It was kind of scary, to be honest. You kind of th- like you, you. You always dream of doing tours, but as like, soon as you as two soon hours you're outside out there, of town, you're like, you're like, "Oh man, <laughs> I gotta go to the bathroom." But we just left, and then the guy's driving at it. You definitely learn how to pee in bottles. Yeah, that's <laughs> kids out there. Uh, we will explain that later. <laughs> Corey's gonna do a how-to on the YouTube channel. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so I did my first full U.S. tour at 19. I'm 29 now. Uh, I've been on and off touring ever since. Uh, I kind of knew, after that first full U.S., I realized what I was getting into and uh, kind of knew it was what I wanted to do from there. Yeah. And what other, what's, uh, we've, we kind of skipped over because we talked about Thrasher, but um, getting into all those different genres and now hearing Free Throw, <laughs> you hear all of them. Like, I can, yeah. I can tell, and I love that. Um, I punk was too. I mean, I loved punk bands. I, we talked about Rancid. Mm-hmm. Earl. I love all those bands, but I, I, my brain was like, I want something a little bit more meaty and deep. Yeah. And when someone has all those different influences, um, I mean, was it? I mean, I I was like super into hardcore, mm-hmm. metal. Yeah. And I loved American football, yep. of course, and Promise, whatever that you know. Absolutely. It was like all three. Me, yeah. It's like I want to have a band sound. My band in college sounded like Jejune mm-hmm. and Texas is the reason. That's awesome. <laughs> That's what we sound. We had a girl singer, but we had like heavy riffs. What was it when you were finding guys and working on those songs? Did everyone come from that, or was there like the super indie rock kid, or was there the stoner? Oh, like, from, for free throw. Yeah, for free uh, throw. Honestly, all of us in free throw. Well, the original members of free throw, we all kind of came from the same small town where I went to high school. Uh, which after that freshman year of high school that we talked about, uh, my family moved to a town called Fairview. Uh, out like 25 30 minutes outside of nashville and i started going to school there and basically me justin my younger brother and larry our guitar player all hung out in like the same group of friends uh larry was from the town over but we all hung out together so we all played music together and uh, our drummer before kevin zach hall who was the drummer on those days are gone uh, he went to the same high school as me and justin so we'd all been friends for years and all played in different bands and we had known each other for a long time. We'd gone on tour together in random, like, random situations. Yeah. Um, and one day, me and Larry were just kind of uh, sitting in our basement, in my basement. Uh, we were drinking Steel Reserve. I don't know why. Great memory. But, uh, <laughs> and we were just like, hey, man, like, let's, let's, let's play some music. Let's start a new band. And we, started, we ended up writing two songs, uh, which were... Uh, Milo and Level 2 Pidgey and a Master Ball from yeah. the first EP. And Justin came home from work and we were just like, dude, you're in a band now. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like, okay. And it, that's kind of how the band started. Uh, as for influences, uh, me and Larry have both played in metal bands. Uh, we've both played in punk bands. So it's kind of, yeah, I, th- I think I think there was never really any like... 
this is it. Yeah, it was kind of just we we were listening to more songs by grown ups, and we were like, you know, we let, let's let's start a band. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we were both into American football. Grown ups, uh, we were really into the Clippers at that point. Um, just a lot of random bands, a lot of top shelf bands. Actually, we were listening to at the time. And we what years like, was that? That was like it was two thousand and twelve. Oh yeah, twenty twelve. Yeah, yeah. Tw- I think yeah, when the band started. Um, and so there was. We never really like came up with an actual formula for the band. We just kind of went with it, and then our influences over time all started to kind of show. You know, uh, definitely with some of the heavier stuff, especially with the newest record. We wanted it to be a little bit heavier because when we play live we come off a little bit like heavier and crazier, a little more punk rock, a little mm-hmm. more like loud. Whereas on the record, like on those days are gone, the record was recorded mostly with clean guitars. Uh, cause we really wanted to have that pristine clean guitar sound, you know? <laughs> and then this time we were like, well, we don't play it like that live. We should just record the record. Like we're going to play it live. Yeah. Uh, so we went for that a little bit more on the new one, I think. But yeah, I, there was never really like a, the distinct like stoner guy or like, we're all kind of the same. I mean, we've all been friends for so many years that it's... It feels natural it feels when you're natural, coming together because yeah. so, you went to the same shows, you had the same experiences. We all came up... Well, I'm a little bit older than the rest of them, but we all came up in the same kind yeah. of group of people. And then, um, I always ask this just because it's interesting. Do you remember the first time you heard it, the word emo? <laughs> uh, I think I was in either eighth or ninth grade the first time I actually heard the word emo because I'd never I'd been listening to bands before that that are considered emo by people today, but I never really like a genre wasn't really a thing to me back then. I was just like, no, you were. I was just listening to. Oh my god, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah, you're just you're actually pure and like you know didn't matter. And uh, (laughs) I think it was in either eighth or ninth grade, and someone was like, "Do you listen to Thursday?" And I was like, yeah, I've heard a few Thursday songs. And they were like, oh, so you're into emo, you know? And I was like, what the fuck is emo? <laughs> I had no idea, you know? I was just, I figured, you know, bands like, I was listening to bands like Thursday and like, you know, at the time I'd already gotten into Sunny Day Real Estate and the Get Up Kids a little bit. Yeah. To me, it was just like cool, like punk rock stuff. Like yeah. I wasn't really think of like... I wasn't really taking in the lyrics as much as I probably should at that point. The lyrics were last for me, for bands. <laughs> I was a guitar player, so it's like I wanted to know what the riffs were, yeah, the breakdowns. Yeah. I, and at that time, I'd started playing guitar, so I was definitely listening more of like the riffs yeah. and like, how the guitar was going. I hadn't taken into the fact that the lyrics were a little bit different than other you know, like punk bands and stuff like that. So, yeah, so that was the first time I was like, what? Emo? And, I mean, but learning that word, I guess, as, you know derogatory as some people think it is these days you know i still embrace it i well I that's the thing it's <laughs> i actually had a long conversation with someone the other day about that word being you know what what happened to it when it's been hated since the moment it was coined yeah emo core in dc yeah it's been it's been hated but you, it was emotional hardcore, and then they just shortened it. I guess, and I, it's like the hardcore kids being like, I mean, I'd we'd go to a post hardcore show, <laughs> and the hardcore kids would give you shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know what I, I don't know why it's it's so hated. I don't think it should be. Uh, it's like, you know, to me, emo is. I don't think it's a bad word. I think people, especially with the whole, especially in the last year or two uh with the whole emo revival kind of thing and all of that stuff i think a lot of people started to hate it again 
because of the fact that it was becoming oversaturated. You know, like people were going, oh, this band is emo. Oh, this band is emo. Oh, this band is emo. This band is emo. Yeah. Oh, my band is emo. Oh, my band is emo. Yeah. Like, and it, I think like people just got tired of hearing it. But I don't, you know, that's, it's just like shoegaze now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> people are like, oh, yeah, this band's shoegaze. Well, it's not real shoegaze, you know. Uh, it's like just that kind of, it, it all comes down to genre you know, and people are always going to put things in genre. They're gonna they're gonna section things off from other things. It's just it's just a way of it's. I think it's a human habit, to be honest, to uh, kind of make things distinct from other things or try to make things. You're trying to categorize, it yeah, for to categorize. Else. Absolutely. I I think for the genre though, there's this like a point. There's certain people that want to have the name. Like yeah, I think it's a lot of the mid two thousands. Like mm-hmm. they're making a lot of money from it yeah. or they like hit that one moment where that was hot and then there's other people that are like no 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 we're we're a rock band <laughs> <laughs> yeah um to I, me we'll see to us it doesn't really matter like i'm i we kind of wear it like a badge of honor you know uh it's in a lot of our social media names uh and that's not even because we were like, we're going to be an emo band. You know, like, it's this that free throw wasn't available. It, yeah, well, it wasn't. And also, emo rhymes with free throw. And we just were drunk and, and thought it was hilarious that it rhymed. So we were like, uh huh, free that's throw, funny. emo. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's how we got, we just made all of our socials the same night that basically we started the band. Wow. So <laughs> it's like, the whole band was just the drunken brainchild of a group of friends, really. Hanging uh, out. Yeah. And it's, gone a lot farther than i expected it to. that's great <laughs> well i think too the, the the word itself and you guys having that badge of honor and being like i think it helps other bands see that that it's okay if you want to do that and you can have a sound that that word means so many different things yeah it yeah. could mean it could mean like total chaotic scream mm-hmm. it could mean american football it could mean texas the you know chug chug like yeah. bouncing composure whatever whatever it is however you want to do it, it could sound however you want but yeah i i think I, well i mean the whole basis of the word is emotional you know so i i think that it's completely okay to consider your music emotional if you want to call it emo that's up to you you know and if people want to call your band emo that's just up to them you know it's it's how people categorize things what i think's tough is when the general population thinks of haircuts, cutting, suicide, <laughs> yeah, yeah. goth. And well, then that's when I sort of get frustrated when yeah. you ask 10 people on the street and they think it's this and they think it's a joke. Well, and this is not your stuff. Exactly. It's, I, it, I think the genre has not been taken seriously because the publications that cover it always have to crack a joke yeah there's always that oh one well, little snide. this isn't the emo that you're thinking of kind of that you know like all those all snide remarks like that yeah well i mean and we, we did go through a period of time in pop culture where that was it that was what people considered emo uh and it it really wasn't because of the music it was just because of the culture that was deriving from certain scenes at the time and Honestly, to me, whenever we, whenever I was in high school, we didn't really call people that, like had the haircuts or anything like that emo. We called them like you know like mall goth. Or, yeah, like, <laughs> hot topic kids. Yeah, like or like, or you know, for a while people were using the word scene. You know, yeah, like, totally. Kids, you yeah. Know? Like, I, I we never once referred to them as emo, but I think a lot of major publications during that period did refer to that as emo. Uh, they did refer as much as I love personally love a band like My Chemical Romance, like, and that whole like you know like phase of you know the way that music was styled and the culture was uh they refer to that as emo which is completely fine but 
I think that's not the only one. Yeah, it, it, there's a whole emo is a very broad spectrum. I think uh, just like any music genre, I think exactly. it's a huge broad spectrum. Which is if you say punk to somebody, yeah. they'll say Ramones and they'll say uh, Menzingers or whatever yeah. it is. They'll or they'll go, say Mohawks, you know. Yeah, they'll say Mohawks, <laughs> but you know there's more than one. And I think with mm-hmm. emo, they're gonna just say those four bands and yep. that's it. And I want them to say Sunny Day, yeah, My Chem. And free throw yeah. or whatever the band is, I want, and, and I feel like that's not there yet. Oh, yeah, it's it's definitely not. I I hope that it eventually is. I hope it will. I think the the great records like Sorority Noise that came out this year, Hotelier, yeah. Foxing, you guys have stepped it up. Hopefully, that's a stake in that. Like this is a, I mean, the word survived. Yeah, like it died. Yeah, it died, and some I don't know how it happened, but. People found it again, and well, there's something to that. At the time, I was in college. What years was that? Uh, this was, I had gone back to college at this point. You know, I'd pulled a Milo. Come on, Corey. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, <laughs> just busting it. <laughs> <laughs> like your dad right now, just yeah. like busting it. <laughs> I I stopped touring for a bit, and I'd gone back to college. I think this was. Probably 2009, 2008, maybe somewhere around there. Which is right when um, I was frustrated slash started hearing yeah. about shit. And I, that was the first time that I think I heard Algernon and Snowing, you know, yes. those bands. Uh, a friend of mine in college had brought me to his dorm room because uh, we, we both were huge American football fans, signed a real estate fans. He's like, dude, I got these bands here. I want you to hear. And I was like, okay, cool. So, you know, we went up to his dorm room and we were like, Drinking on the sly because it was a dry campus, and he's playing these bands for me. And I'm like, dude, this is fucking amazing! Like, where did you find this? And he's like, I've just been browsing blogs, you know. Yeah, and that and I, there was this whole blog like resurgence at that time of just blogs, you know, putting up music, and that, that's how free throw. Whenever we first put out our first EP, the way we got it noticed, we just sent it to blogs, and and that's kind of died down now, you know, with Spotify and. Uh, and like streaming services, music being so readily available all the time, people you know are learning about music through their discover playlists, yeah, and things like that. We used to you know at that time we were just searching through blogs, and a lot of the people online that were posting these blogs were calling these bands emo because they when they were thinking of emo, they were like us, they weren't thinking of you know the whole like mall hot topic kind of thing. they were thinking of you know sunny day real estate. Or, you know, it, and even on the harder side of things, you know, and like Screamo side of things. Yeah. Like, like Page 99 or like Circle Takes a Square. Yes. And like all these bands that I grew up listening to and these people were like, oh, yeah, this is it, emo is it back. It was channeling. You know? I told Kevin from Top Shelf this. It was channeling exactly what was going on in the 90s. Yeah. Really you had was. this community. You had... uh you know venues you had this you had labels that were like cultivating oh man yeah i I used to listen to anything that like for a while anything like deep elm put out i was listening to it yeah or like it just yeah it was like it was this very kind of like small but big thing at the same time it was it was really cool to watch it happen again uh and it's great to hear your side because literally i was like doing my site for a couple years Mm -hmm. frustrated every post was angry like no one's talking about sunny day and then this like russian this kid from russia emails me and says i'm in a band and it sounds like mineral 
And that was insanely foreign to think <laughs> a someone remembers who that band is yeah. and b you're from russia yeah and then it started then i someone told me about the philly scene yeah and i was philly like scene was i was like wait very a minute popular. i was like wait a minute this shit's back yeah it's like <laughs> yes you know who those bands are <laughs> it's funny to think now like we when we played fest last year i think it was last year mineral was playing and to see how many people were just fucking excited to see mineral i was like there are more people like me. Than this. <laughs> uh, you know, because when I was growing up, I listened to these bands and no one knew who they were. You yeah, know? I mean, like I people knew the like like in in the mid two thousands. You know, people knew the more popular bands. You know, they knew the Taken Back Sundays, yeah, like brand news. But they weren't talking about Sunny they, Day. Yeah, they weren't talking about Sunny Day Real Estate. They were, they were barely talking about the Get Up Kids. You know, uh, and like these are bands that when I was younger, I had started listening to. You know. Because of, you know, one person showed me this band. Or yeah. one person showed me this band. And it was just, it, it was a really cool time for me whenever, like, around that late 2000s to early 2010s time. Yeah. I, we were probably having the same, like, oh shit <laughs> moments. Because I had, I had a friend, the same thing, be like, you got to come over and hear a bunch of shit. Yeah. It was like snowing, all that stuff. Yep. And I was like, oh my God, who are these kids? I have to talk to them. I, and that was also around the same time that uh, bands were popping up like Joyce Manor and stuff yes. that were kind of like... The punkier. Take, yeah, the punkier side of it was also popping up as well, which was like... I. That's that whole thing about that it wasn't cookie cutter. Yeah. Like you'd see some of those tours and that it was like every fucking band. I could almost count when the breakdown was coming. <laughs> like it was like, here we go. One, two, three, four. Dun, dun, dun. But... It was like, you're right, hearing a Joyce Manor, listening to Al- Algernon, yeah. or like, they were all different, but you could tell what they were pulling from. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was a sign to me that they were searching. Yeah. I There were a lot of bands that even fell through the cracks during that time. That like I who? I really, really liked. There was a band called uh, Old Pine from, uh, I'm not, I don't even remember where they're from. I think they're from Pennsylvania. I'm not sure. I don't remember. I've talked to him before. Sorry, Old but, Pine. Yeah, sorry, guys. I bought your record in Germany. <laughs> I uh, I know you're not from Germany. Um, but yeah, they're like they were a band that I really, really loved, and but no one had heard of them. But, but because of it's almost a thing I missed from that time is the whole the blog digging thing. It's like crate digging. Yeah, you know? and also the un like the 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 waiting. Yeah, like just the. I had to wait to see it to hear it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I miss that because there was a, I think you spent more time. And oh, trust me, I love that I could listen to your record in five seconds when I told Fred to send me the record. That was amazing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Fred, send me the record now. And I got it. But I also would have missed, you know, and been like, hey, we've been, maybe we wrote letters or we emailed yeah. and then you sent one song. I, I There's something about that waiting that I think's, I spin. I can't envision a band now trying to be a band because of how much noise there is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and also one of the things about the waiting is like it builds up the hype too. You know, it gets especially personally, it gets you like excited for something to come out. But also the downfall is is if it doesn't live up to your expectations, yeah. All of a sudden you hate it even worse because you waited so long, <laughs> and for you it. spent like twenty bucks or whatever to get it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I definitely. Because, I mean, it, it's hard to think that only, you know, four or five years ago, Spotify wasn't, like, really even that big a thing. Now it's, like, Spotify and Apple Music are, like, the biggest things in the world for music right now. And the blogs are kind of... Yeah. I, I mean, I used to 
have my own blog. Nobody followed it at all, but I mean, <laughs> I have my own blog, and you know, it's they you just don't see them as much anymore. Yeah, I, I used to you know follow blogs that were you know like circling the drain or for like hardcore and stuff. I go to like Toxic Breed, you know, Funhouse or. Uh, like I don't know, I was like Couch King, yeah, Couch King. I, was, I love I was, those dudes. I was finding all this music that Washed I never would have. No, yeah, <laughs> I was finding all this music yeah. that I never would have found otherwise. No. It's just because you know random bands were sending in their music and they would post it up on the blog, or if they found something that they liked, they would post it up on the blog. And I kind of miss that in a way. Uh, it was. It reminds me of a time when I would just I'd spend a whole you know afternoon or like a Friday with my friends, like we would just go through a blog, we'd put on a record, we'd drink, we'd listen to it, we'd decide whether or not we liked it, and then we'd go to the next one. Go to the next one, yeah. And it was just a good time. Uh, But yeah, it's really interesting to think how history kind of works in cycles like that because in the the 90s, you know, people go, you know, would find their music in different ways, whether it be, you know, record stores or CD shops or even cassette tapes at the time are going to shows and... Yeah, going to shows in the distro. And getting the distro... Uh, I still like it whenever we play a show. If we play like kind of like DIY spot or something, they have a distro there. I'm always like, dude, this is sick. I'm gonna go through it because there's probably a record in there that's from a local band that's not at the store. Not it could, you can Absolutely. find those little ones that are happening in that town yeah. where that kid's trying. That's has a small how label. I or, bought the uh, the Old Pine oh, record. Rad. Was we were playing the show in Germany and the promoter had his own distro that he would bring to each show that he that he so put on rad. and I was going through his distro and he had the record there and I was like I've never seen this record in person I need to buy it <laughs> so I bought it that's uh, so cool I I miss that time from when I was really younger in the distro at shows and stuff like that and I also miss the time when the distro became you know blogs and it now you know it's discover playlists yeah <laughs> that's your distro these days what but. do you feel like what do you feel right now with what's happening with the what's I mean we're at a crazy point. You're, mm-hmm. I mean, you're getting crazy press. Bands are, bands are getting that moment in, the, and their records are getting better. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't really know where we go from here. It's kind of interesting. Do you to think me. one's going to break? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of hoping that there's something that comes along that brings back that that old feeling. You know what I mean? Because uh, right now it's like. You've got the bands that are already somewhat popular, and it's getting back to that point where it's harder for new bands, you know, to pop up and get popular. Whereas it's like it, like I said, it almost goes through cycles where there'd be a time when it's easier for new bands to pop up and get popular because so many people are interested, and they're you know they're going through the blogs or they're going through the distros or they're doing all of this, and stuff. then it gets too much, and then it gets too much, and I think it like all of a sudden it becomes harder for new bands to get out there without you know the endorsement of another band or like something like that yeah uh but i hope i hopefully the cycle starts over again i'm looking forward to it if it does. i think it i think it still feels fresh yeah i think there's a like a label popping up or a label's trying something different because that's what was so cool is like you follow the label because you knew whatever they were putting out was at least through their bullshit radar yeah and it was cool it could have been a fucking weird like singer songwriter thing or it's like a you know a prog band whatever it is like it kind of it fit into the thing and you you gave it a minute yeah absolutely i i think i think i think 
here pretty soon there's going to be some of the smaller labels that are popping up are going to start being the labels that people are following because it's you know you get to the you start getting to the point where like labels are picking up all the bands that you know the top shelf bands or the kind of lucky stars bands and all those stuff they're moving up to like like us and sorority noise and you know Time parts, you know, black cement. Yeah, it's doing a lot of stuff. Moving up, you know, and then so you need those smaller labels to come through, and they'll be the. I think they'll be the ones again. Those Uh, are the ones I try and like go to and find out. out. Yeah, (laughs) or I'm getting emailed. I mean, there's emails every day from a label or a band or a a kid, and it's so cool to kind of feel that there's people cultivating it. Yeah, I well, it's like I do on our Twitter every now and then. Is if I feel like I'm not finding any music, I just tweet out i'm like yo what are, what are you, you listening, listening to? to i i need something new i actually recently found out about a few that's how i found out about mom jeans from uh no shit from california and they actually did the whole west coast leg of this yeah tour because i i my friend from atlanta of all places was like hey listen to this band and i listened to him and i was like dude this band is fucking awesome <laughs> so i we tried to find a way that they could do part of the tour that's so um, cool and then uh i also found out about a band of high school guys from michigan called wellman uh they just put out a record called totem not too long ago and it's on the uh i think it's on nde records which is like the non-denominational yes, yeah, NDE, yeah. yeah uh they put it out through them and it's probably one of the better like screamer records i've heard really in the last year and a half wow <laughs> i love it it's it's like it's not overly complicated but it's not too simplistic it's just right there in that perfect. nice and i and I keep finding out. I think Michigan's actually got a really good scene going on right I now. I love Swordfish. Yeah, and I like Swordfish, Wellman. Uh, if you haven't listened to him, no, I I'm going to recommend it. Um, and then you've got like there's a female artist out of Michigan right now called Shortly, who I we played a show with her and she blew me away. Like, wow, just blew me away. Um, and then there's other there's like there's bands that are starting to get popular out of there, like a band called Hot Mulligan. Yeah, Hot there. Mulligan's really cool. Yeah. I did some stuff early on with them. Yeah, and they're they're starting to. I'm starting to see them all over the internet, you know. So, and then, so it's it's also another really cool way to find music is just to ask people, yeah. you know. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Like someone was like, uh, "You know all the bands." I'm like, "No, I don't." There are there are countless scenes and places in a basement show happening right now that. I wish I could, but I don't. And it's, but that you, I can, yeah. I do that too. I'm like, all right, I'm on a, I usually when I'm on a flight um, from LA or New York, I'll be like, all right, was what what's everyone into? Give me something to listen And then I'll to have that. like five hours worth of stuff to go through. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's kind of a rad. I mean, well, I mean, I've been doing it every now and then on our Twitter for a while. And, you know, I always get like, the people that are just giving me the same stuff that I always listen to, you know, yeah. people are like, "Oh, dude, listen to you blew it," and I'm like, "Those are my friends. I've listened to you blew it for years now. <laughs> Give me something new." Yeah, you know? Tanner knows. <laughs> uh, it's like, but when I do, when someone does send me that gym, it just yeah, it, it gives me that good feeling all over. Yeah, again. yeah, exactly. Something new, and then you know, we get in the van, and I'm like, "Yo, you guys heard this yet? Let's listen to it." And then they're all like, "Oh man, this is awesome." And then they're going to instantly share with their buddies, and I feel like there's that it's 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 quicker, but it also could be really cool for a band to have yeah. something that quick. You I, could text me and be like, "Tom, we just heard this <laughs> band. You got to put and I'll listen." Yeah. And well, and it's like I that word Sometimes of mouth still word is of there. mouth it's is still like there. still the most effective <clears throat> way to go, I think. Uh and that's like when we did the whole triple crown like 
playlist on Spotify. Like we took, we basically tried our best. We, like we threw some bands in there that we knew everybody would know, but we tried our best to take all the bands that we listen to that we don't think everybody listens to, and expose them. You know, like yeah, a, it's a good, it's a good way to do it. And we we're we were trying to do like a free throw Friday, like based off of our Spotify. Where, but Spotify like messed up. We were going to make a playlist every Friday of just bands that we're listening to that you know aren't you know these super popular bands yeah. you know at the moment. Also, in throwing in some like Holland notes, you know, occasionally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it. <laughs> you got throwing the hits. Um, but yeah, I I think the word of mouth part of it is really important. I, I think that's an extremely important thing. Like, if you find out about a new band, you should tell all your friends about it. You know, that's how I found out about some of my favorite bands in the entire world. And it's a good thing because it's not helping them or or saying that name to somebody else um, doesn't make. I don't know. It just seemed like, oh, I don't want. I want to hold them for myself. And it's yeah. like you can't do that. No, no. I, and that, it's also a band's got to be cool. Like if they're like. Oh man, they're a bunch of dicks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah luckily, <laughs> luckily for us in in this scene that we're a part of, everybody's pretty pretty fucking cool. Uh, I haven't come across too many people that are like, you know, assholes or anything. But like also, that. you came up in that part where you had the DIY shows. You mm-hmm. saw how you pick someone up if they fall, or yeah, absolutely certain things to you know. The, you saw the DIY mentality, and I think that's really important. That I think sometimes is lost in certain. Yeah, the sense of community, you know. Like, this Um, is more, like, you know, this is important. Like, having a a kid could be coming tonight. It's his first show. And he's watching you guys. And he's watching and learning and taking it all in. And if you're a certain way, or like, there's a responsibility when you're there to present that DIY or that community. Oh, and, you know. I'm not saying you're not, but that's no, what yeah, absolutely. They're that's, total dicks on stage. That's the idea. Uh, I well, and the thing is, is we. I, it's one of my biggest concerns, especially if a show is going absolutely crazy, is to always make sure that everybody knows, like, hey, take care of each other. That that's because that's what I came up in. You know, it's like I came up in a, you know, I take care of you, you take care of me, we have fun. You know, kind of. Do you think when community. it gets too big that that gets lost? Sometimes, uh, but I think as long as, you know. You do your best not to lose sight of it. Yeah. I think you'll do okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like when we played Bloodfest this year, like at the beginning of this tour, things were getting pretty out of hand at one point. So, I, you know, you just got to make sure to take a second and just remind people. Like, it, it's it's kind of your job, you know, uh, when you're on stage, like, to make sure that everyone is still taken care of. Uh, yeah. It's almost like a... You know, it's you're a master of ceremonies. Yeah. Uh, no, so. and they're going to listen to you, and it's not just because you have a mic. It's just yeah. that you're presenting that idea. Yeah, you're you're presenting Reminding. your show. You know what I mean? And they're having fun with it, but you have to remind them that you know they have to take care of each other and have a good time. You don't want someone coming out hurt. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, the record. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk all day. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited about it. A because it sounds. Um, well, you were talking earlier about that sort of like clean guitar. Yeah. Like this one sounds like big. Yeah. But it's also the my favorite, Loud Soft. Like, you know, like that sort of dynamic. And It was something, that dynamic was something that we were definitely aiming for on this record. It's something that we've always, it's always been kind of a part of our band. 
Uh, Definitely more pronounced. Yeah, it, it, we just wanted it to be more pronounced. Uh, we wanted the big parts to be more, like, the like huge. Yeah. We wanted the soft parts to be, you know, brought back down. Uh, because it was something that we always enjoyed doing. I mean, especially, you know, with two beers in, you can tell, you know, the verse is very soft. The chorus is very loud. Yeah. The verse is very <laughs> soft. The chorus. So it's always been there. Yeah. But um, for this record, we just wanted to expand on that. It was... That was definitely when we were writing was something that we were going and going. We want to expand on the dynamic of the sound of the band, and I, I think it it played a big part in what we wrote and how we wrote it. And I I personally enjoy it. I feel like I'm finally getting to play what you want some music that I want to play. Yeah. And it took a few records. Yeah, no, we we definitely had to kind of figure out what we were doing. I mean, there's already people on the internet now that are like, oh, they changed. <laughs> they changed right. their sound. Don't listen to that bullshit, no, it's man. Fu- that, it's fine. I know, not you know everybody's I mean? going like, to like it. Not everybody's going to like it. It's always like you'd go to the you know, absolute punk and you'd we'd post something when I worked at EVR. We'd yeah. post a news item. And then if there was one kid that was like, yeah, that Bear vs. Song, Shark song is a piece of shit. We'd be like, <laughs> man, everyone hates it. <laughs> Even though it was some fucking loser in his basement. Yeah. Not I, a loser. You know? So it, it, it's... it's well, yeah, to me, like... I, you are allowed to progress as a band. Exactly. And and it's like I told someone recently, I said, I fucking love Weezer, but I don't like every Weezer album. Like, it's like, it, you know, if you don't like this album, that's fine. That That's your taste, and that's you're more than welcome and allowed to not like it. But it's what we wanted to do, you know, as a band. Uh, it's... It's who we are. Uh, we didn't try any. We didn't try to be different. We didn't try to really do anything other than you know trying to make the band a little bit louder. You know, or but if like, you wrote the same record, you're people gonna, would be complaining. Be, <laughs> Corey just writes the same songs, same songs over and over again. <laughs> That's my like annoying internet voice. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and especially with this record and the lyrical content, uh, some people seem to get it, and some people seem to think that it's a little bit all over the place. But honestly, I. I I feel like I'm I'm pretty straightforward on the lyrics on this record. There's a few moments where it's kind of like vague, but I left it that way so that other people could insert themselves into it They're rather yours. than it being specifically this is Corey's song. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I would much rather the the people who are listening to it be able to insert themselves into it and relate it to their own lives as well. I just watched a, another Nirvana do, uh, doc. I mean, he, I mean Nirvana is the reason I pick up the guitar. Yeah. Like literally saw Smells Like Teen Spirit, walked upstairs and said, get me a guitar <laughs> at the I guitar, need a guitar store now. right now. Um, that whole like, you know, his lyric, he, he, he says in a lot of interviews, like, you think the lyrics mean this? They don't. Like, don't read it. It's, yeah. It's like, however, if you if you interpret it a certain way, then that's what you took from it. And that's kind of what I wanted for this record. Yeah. Like, I mean, I have my specific reasons. I wrote every single song on the record, but I wanted people to take it and make it their own. I wanted people to hear the record and, you know, go, oh, this... I feel like this song is about me, you know, yeah. for whatever reason that it is. And it's also a reason that I tend, I, I try my best. I don't, all, it, I don't always do it, especially if a song is oddly specific. Um, I try my best to write with mostly gender neutral pronouns because I feel like everybody should have a chance to insert themselves into a song. I, I, when I was a kid, I used to l- like love listening to pop songs and there'd be female singers, you know, and, and they would sing and I would always change the her to like him. Yeah. Or, yeah. That, you know, you know, to, fit my life yeah and then you know i know that people do the same thing whenever like 
male singers, like I know that some females will do the same thing. They'll change the, the pronouns in the song when they sing it to make it more relevant to them. Yeah. And that was something whenever we started the band that I became really like obsessed with. I was like, I, Interesting. Didn't, I didn't want to, people to have to change, you know, the lyrics to make it fit their lives. So I was like, I just have always aimed to write in gender neutral pronouns. Interesting. It's been a, it's been a very big thing for me since we started this band. Oh, was, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It, there's only a few songs I think that actually use specific pronouns. I think Two Beers In is one of them because uh, I use the word he. And uh, in on the new record, I think I'm almost positive. Besides the opener, which is about my relationship with my dad, uh, the only song that uses a gender specific pronoun is. Uh, hope spot because i say a man you know what i mean uh but that honestly the reason i use that is because it was very specific meaning of the song to me and it also it, it was easier to you know like put in the <laughs> in the lyrics yeah a little bit of songwriting laziness there but yeah no uh but yeah no if if you listen to both the last two records i tried my best not to use any specific pronouns mm-hmm. because I think it's very important that people be able to relate to music. I mean, I know some, some people write music in a very specific way and want it to be their work of art and, you know, and that's completely fine. But for me, especially for free throw and what we, what our, you know, the whole kind of music that we write is, I really wanted it to just be open and relatable for everybody, for everybody. Yeah. And then for the record itself, is there anything that you've, like seen differently in this cycle you know having triple crown having a different you know approach having some <laughs> folks behind it yeah uh, it's i i definitely have a lot more to do <laughs> now you're uh, sitting in a van you could be sleeping no nah, I'm, I'm joking i actually this is this is one of the things i was looking forward to the most oh right thank you uh <laughs> But yeah, like there's a lot more to do. Uh, it's a, I have a lot more of a busy life now because of it. Even when I'm at home, uh, you know, because the album is new, uh, I still have to wake up and you know do phone interviews and things like that. That's a lot different than before. You yeah, know, coming from the last album when we started, it, we, we just toured and played in basements. You know, uh, and you know this is our first headlining tour. Congrats on uh, that, by the way. Yeah, thank you. It's and that's a that's a big odd switch from what we're used to doing you know now we're the first band to arrive the last band to leave you know uh whereas before we'd you'd, we'd show up at our you know it's support load in yeah oh you don't even have to sound check just backline. then you get up you play and then you take your stuff back out the van then you hang on get drunk for the rest of the night with everybody else you know? <laughs> uh but now it's a lot different you have a lot more responsibility yeah. um and, you know, when more people are backing the record and when more people are doing things for the record and you have a PR team and all of that kind of stuff, um, there's a lot more expected out of you. The responsibility gets a little bit higher, which I think we've we've handled very well. Uh, we're kind of known for being a little bit of a crazy band on tour and being like a bunch of like fun-loving drunk guys. Yeah. Uh, a la, you know, TMP. We those are like our best friends. Tiny moving parts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We get along with them uh, very, very well. <laughs> <laughs> How about the prawn guys? Yeah, I, I, we're kind of like a trifecta. That tour was basically three bands of just best friends uh, getting drunk. <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, the responsibility definitely goes up, and you're, there's a lot more of ex- expected of you. But at the same time there's a lot taken off your shoulders. You know what I mean? Uh, you're not doing everything for once. Yeah. Uh, the band isn't now 
even though I have to do a lot more like press stuff and like that kind of stuff and we have to do interviews and you know photo shoots and stuff like that it's we can focus more on the music now you know what I mean we can focus more on being a band rather than okay who's booking this tour exactly you know, who's uh, who's who's you know advancing the tour who's talked to the promoter does anybody have the promoter's number you know what I mean like mm-hmm. that kind of thing which used to be what a van ride was like and now the van ride is just kind of like okay what kind of what time we're supposed to be there all right, cool. I have enough time to drink a four loco in the back seat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or we just hey, we I just wrote this riff. I want everybody yeah, to hear they, it. Yeah, let everybody hear this. You know, riff or you know, oh hey, I have I have this kind of this lyrical idea. You know, we just have a lot more time to be a band now, which is pretty cool. Um, it's busy right now, but that's probably because of the headlining tour. Yeah, but yeah, I think it, it's nice to have a team behind you, which is really cool. Yeah, moving up to Triple Crown and Fred is the fucking greatest guy uh i've enjoyed working with fred so much and he's been so supportive of every idea we had uh cool fun fact actually is when we were recording the record fred didn't even want to hear it till we were done with it really yeah what did he what what did he say to you uh basically he said he didn't want to impede on our process you know uh he didn't want to uh he didn't want to influence he just wanted the record to be what the record was going to be you know let the band do the band's work yeah which was really, really cool, and I really, really respect him for And that. you could relax a second, yeah. right? Yeah, you didn't feel like you were having to... Uh, and he's pay- you know, he's paying for it at the time, you know, and it, you didn't have to go, oh, man, I hope he fucking likes this, you know? Like, yeah. Well, whenever we sent it to him, I kind of sweat for a little bit. Of course. But <laughs> luckily, he, he came back. He loved it. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, that was a really cool thing about working with Triple Crown was that whenever we were in the studio... There wasn't a single time where, you know, someone was like, ah, no, this isn't going to work. Like, let's do something else. It was more of just like, you guys do what you do. You make your art. You make your, what you want to make. And then, you know, we go from there. That's what's most important is I that agree. when that, when that, when you said, you saying that you're comfortable and relaxed mm-hmm. and you're not thinking about other things. Well, guess what gets to take center stage the music the music yeah. which is what happened when you're with your friend and he was telling you about Adrenon for yeah, the first time exactly. was there anything else you were worrying about nope. at the time <laughs> not at all no all i was thinking about is what i was hearing right there at that yeah. moment so to be able to have that moment again probably felt yeah it was great well and you know with those days are gone when we were recording it we had had a bunch of shit go down beforehand and we didn't end up going to a studio. We ended up going to uh, Larry's room. Larry lived in a house, and his roommate had a basement studio. We ended up paying him mm-hmm. his... Well, he's one of our good friends. But we ended up paying him to do the record for six days because he had to take off work for six days to do it. So we were like, we'll pay you yeah. for these six days. And uh, so we recorded the whole record in six days in a mad sprint. You know, There was no time to really... like go oh well let's try this or let's try this it was just basically the songs that we had written recorded in six days i had a day and a half to do vocals so you wow it's like i just had to like go as fast as i could and this time the, like and that i felt like the music didn't really get to take as much of a center stage as i would have wanted it to and i know like now i've learned you know from a lot of people that that record is really like an important record to them and that's fucking awesome and really cool to me uh but for this record we actually got to take the time and, you know, make it sound like we wanted it to sound. Yeah. Which was really cool. What What do you wish if someone, what do you wish someone told you back then for now? Like, was there anything that you were like, I wish they fucking told me to, you know, 
<laughs> had a piss in a bottle. No, I'm just I'm kidding. Like, what was was there anything like business wise that you've sort of looked um, back on? I don't know, really, or anything I, out there for someone in a band being like, "Hey, watch out for this," or "This is something that I learned later." <laughs> um, don't try to park a van and trailer in New York City. <laughs> That's a very good point. That is a very good point. No, but I honestly, I <laughs> I think one of the coolest things I learned throughout the whole process was to not let every single little thing get to you. You kind of got to you, you kind of got to be like a rain jacket, you know what I mean, and let the let the water be down. Uh you're still going to get a little wet, but at least you know you, you're not getting soaked, you know. It's and you're still you're still doing what you want to do. Yeah. Yes, you take criticism, your understanding of it, but you can't listen to everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to have a little bit of thick skin sometimes, you know. Um, and with the internet, <laughs> especially with the internet, you know. Um, and also, you know, just don't let, you know, people walk all over you. Because, uh, I mean, earlier, whenever we first started, we were just kind of like yes men. You know what I mean? We were just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, we'll do that. Uh, sometimes it's nice to take a step back and, and kind of look at things and go, okay, well, what will work out the best for us? Yeah. And we learned how to do that, you know, over time and... Was it like for shows, like saying that we'll do a fest and we were yeah, like, oh, wait, yeah. we have to drive 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> I mean, whenever Free Throw first started, there was uh, a DIY venue in Nashville called the Owl Farm. And we literally played there multiple times a week, you know. And, and in a way, like we built up a fan base around town because of it, because everybody knew it was going to be fun. It was going to be a party. It was a BYOB type spot. And... I mean, it's a way that we met a lot of the bands that we are friends with now today, uh, including like you blew it and time. Well, we met timing parts a long time before that, but like, uh, I, that's how we met, you know, dowsing and, uh, that's how we met empire empire and eventually became signed to count your lucky stars records for the first release. Uh, and, but the thing is, is, you know, if you play there three times a week, not everybody's going to come to every single show. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, Corey, we're busy. Uh, you know how things are. <laughs> I'll see you in two days. You know exactly. Uh, yeah. So yeah, to make it more precious, you kind of you, ha- you kind of have to make it like, oh man, free throws playing in town. You know, oh, I gotta go. You know, so it you you make those little mistakes at the beginning. Yeah, and then you learn kind of how it works. <laughs> at first, we were just like, dude, let's play every show all the time. We'll be the opener. <laughs> Well, I mean, we didn't really have big ambitions for the band, to be honest. I, we basically started it so that we, we could get into shows for free. <laughs> yeah. Let's play with our favorite bands yeah. and get, you know, and have, just, a, and have get a good in. time. I mean, at the time, I was I was already in close to my mid-20s, uh, or in my mid-20s, and I had been touring, you know, for a while at that point, and I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I just want to play for fun. Yeah. And now I'm in a band that has done more touring than any band I've ever been in in my entire life. What do you want to do next? I don't know. I'm enjoying my life the way it is right now. It's kind of cool. To make it a career. Yeah. That's the plan. Uh, I I turn 30 next year. So it's like I'm glad that things are starting to look up and I can actually say that this is my career. I don't work a job at home anymore. Congrats. uh, Which is nice. I don't really make much money. Congrats. But uh, I usually say congrats after whatever they say, but <laughs> right after that to make them feel better. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I, it's gotten to the point where the band is my full time job now, and uh, and I enjoy it. It's a little stressful, but I enjoy it. Cool. So, anything else for the new record? Anything else you want people to know? Any? Uh, 
Uh, yeah. I, I, the, the theme of the record is something that's really cool to me uh, because a lot of people don't realize it off the bat, but it's actually a continuation of Those Days Are Gone. Ah. Um, Those Days Are Gone was about a relationship that I had that went very, very sour. Uh, one that I expected to last the rest of my life, you know. Uh, and so I, I wrote a record about it, you know, and uh, it it was like, okay, cool. I, I got that off my chest. And for the next record, I was like, well, what do I want to do? I can't just write another breakup record. I, I really haven't, at the time, I was like, I really haven't experienced anything like that yeah. since. So I, and I've already written all I wanted to write about it. And, uh, so I just, I, I, you know, at the time I was really starting to explore the, I, I was really starting to have like a bunch of anxiety attacks again. Cause I suffer from high anxiety and, and, uh, I also, was that something from early, was that high school? When uh, did you find I've, out? I've suffered from anxiety since I was, I was diagnosed with anxiety disorder when I was four or five years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've, I've been, you've been dealing with it, dealing with it for a really, really long time. And, um, I also suffered through depression in high school, high school and college. And I, you know, with my anxiety disorder, it comes in different forms, you know, social anxiety, uh, just generalized anxiety a lot too. Uh, I actually have, which is really weird. I have a really high anxiety for being in vehicles, like in cars. Really? Uh, especially if I'm like not in the front seat and buckled up. Interesting. But, I chose a career that <laughs> you have to, <laughs> you have have to, to switch. Be, you can't always call shotgun. Yeah, uh, I have to be. Well, and actually, it's really funny because in the van, I usually ride in one of the back benches because I don't know why. I think it, I think it's, it's me kind of trying to make myself cope. But, um, yeah, I, I chose a career where I have to deal with one of my greatest fears <laughs> all the time, and that's riding in a big van and trailer that and meeting people every yeah, day and meeting people every day and i and i think it's actually helped a lot but because you could have been home you yeah. could have stayed at home you could have nothing you know yeah played video games i love video games yeah, but I, I love video games too yeah. <laughs> uh but that you're 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 con- you're confronting it and working Absolutely. at it and i don't think i did it on purpose i don't think i chose this lifestyle and career because of that fact but it definitely definitely made me have to uh to work with it you know and to try and learn and cope um but yeah so with the rec- the second record with bear your mind the idea behind it was i had especially started to struggle with those things and with other things in my life including you know like uh dependency on alcohol and, and stuff like that really hard after that relationship and and I, the more i thought about it the more i said you know, this is the perfect thing for me to write a record about is the the few years after that relationship and what I've dealt with and what I've learned about mm-hmm. myself and and how I've had to overcome certain problems and you know the journey through my inner my introspective self. You yeah. Know? Uh, and so that's I went into the idea when we first started writing songs for the record. That's the idea I went in with is this is what I want to write the record about. I didn't know exactly how it was going to go, but that's the idea I went in with. And I mean. I'm happy with how it came out. You know, uh, there's songs on the record that deal with, you know, like loss. Uh, Dead Reckoning is about whenever my grandfather died when I was 13. Uh, He died in a car accident, which does not help my vehicular anxiety at all. Um, And, you know, there's songs about social anxiety. There's songs about 
generalized anxiety. There's songs about me being on medication for depression and anxiety and not feeling anything, you know. Uh, and then there's also songs because of a certain medication that I took for anxiety. One of the side effects was weight gain. I actually gained a bunch of weight and I dealt with body image issues for even up till now. Like I still deal with it to this day. Um, and you know, so I kind of wanted to touch on everything that had happened after that, after that moment. Yeah. After that moment, after that, those days are gone moment. I wanted to touch on what was going on up until this moment. And that's why the album kind of starts off with my relationship with my dad and how I need, how he, he found his redemption in my eyes and how I need to find my redemption to myself. And then the second song is basically wrapping up those days are gone. Uh, rinse repeat is about the same relationship. It's about when the relationship actually ended, uh, which is a very true story. (laughs) That's the second verse is actually how the relationship ended. Um, and about how I think that that, like at the time I thought that that relationship had personally messed me up and I, and I blamed it on that. And the rest of the record is kind of a journey through everything that I was dealing with and all the different things that I've learned about myself up until the last moment of the record, which is, uh, when I was finally allowing myself to open up again to someone else and realizing that, you know, it, maybe it wasn't the relationship that had, you know, fucked me up. Maybe yeah. it was that I had had something there all along that I just needed to kind of figure out for myself. And being able to be, um, open to say those things yeah. and to be able to, I think a lot of the, I thought there was some random criticism. I don't even know where this was, but it was like, every band is talking about how they're, um, you know, everyone's in, uh, has anxiety. And I'm like, yeah. fuck you. Yeah. Because I bet so many bands don't mention it, aren't diagnosed, yeah. don't treat it, don't care, treat it with dependency on alcohol Absolutely. or drugs. And I think it should not be this stigma of like, oh, well, it's, yeah, you're just, you're just depressed. It's fine. Yeah. When it's just as serious as anything else. It's, and you guys talking about it, uh, um, Cam. Yeah, you know, being able to speak about that. I hope the same thing I told you earlier about that kid learning. Yeah, I hope he hears that and says, you know, maybe. Oh, my buddy, my buddy's said that once. I'm going to ask him what's up or talk to him in a different way. Absolutely. I think you guys have got it better than my generation in actually talking about it instead of just kind of pushing it under the rug. Yeah, or beating around the bush, you know, a little bit. I well, and that's one of the things that was the hardest thing about writing the record was opening myself up that much. Uh, because, you know, it's easy to write about a, an ex or, you know, a relationship yeah. or like a love song or, you know, you know, any of that kind of stuff or a breakup song. Like, it's easy because you can you can almost push everything onto that. Whereas when you start writing about yourself and writing about, you know, just opening yourself up out there, it becomes a little bit more revealing, a little bit more. Uh, like there were at times when I questioned putting Burn Heel on the record, the song that's about body image, because I was like. You know, like, the things I say in the song are really, really, like, I don't want people to think, you know, that I started, you know, getting in my head about, yeah. like, how are people going to interpret this song? You know, uh, I, like, I, you know, I started, the whole body image thing started creeping in. It's like, am I going to make people notice it more? You know, like, or, like is that yeah. kind of thing going to happen? But then, you know, eventually I just said, you know what, fuck it. Like, it, this, I wrote this song for a reason. I wrote this, is this what song came because out. I felt like I needed to. And I feel like the world needs to hear it, you know? So I, I just put it out there. Uh, and 
you know, it's it's funny thing that a lot of people are making that criticism now that a lot of bands are talking so about. So you've that. heard that too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's 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 crazy to me because most of these records that are coming out that are talking about this, they were all written and recorded around the same time. And it's not like we all got together and we're like, <laughs> let's just start writing about right. this. <laughs> Conference call every emo band. <laughs> no, I think it's just Choking. because we're all making that, you know, that, that You're making those different steps yeah. where you're not doing the breakup record, you're not doing your first record, you're making that third record and you're actually dealing with shit. Yeah. And it's more serious. And that goes back to that earlier thing we talked about before we even started talking about make, this is a, this genre, this music, this scene has always been kind of serious Absolutely. with treating if it's food, not bombs, mm-hmm. or if it's war or anything. It was like you, you were speaking direct. Yeah. Well, and you know, there's what? no bullshit. There's no uh, pop songs are all you know. A lot of it's bullshit. Absolutely. I, and I, well, and I, I think that one of the reasons why a lot of bands like us and Sorority Noise and you know other bands writing about the the stigma, of mental health, and stuff like that. And, and, you know, putting ourselves out there on that line is because at the moment, that's something that really needs to be talked about. And it's it's something that a lot of people are starting to realize that, wow, you know, like this is a real thing. It's not just, you know, like depression is a real thing. Anxiety is a real thing. Like like you said, a lot of people before have just kind of pushed it under a rug or, you know, just kind of brushed it off. But it really is something that people deal with. And I, I think that... The reason that a lot of bands are starting to write about it is because sometimes you just got to write about what's going on in your life, and I think, and you know, it's it's revealing, yeah. But you know, that's sometimes that's what you do. Uh, when I wrote "Those Days Are Gone," I didn't write a breakup record because I wanted to write a breakup record. I wrote, I wrote a breakup record because you know I I felt like the relationship that I was going to have forever was gone, and I needed to write that record. Yeah, it was almost therapeutic in a sense, and it's the same thing for this record. The reason I wrote the lyrics that I did on this record is because I needed to. Uh, and I've said this a lot in the past like few months. One of the hardest feelings and hardest emotions of having when you're in a situation like that, when, whether you're dealing with anxiety or dealing with body image issues or depression or even a breakup is feeling that you're alone. Like you're, you're, you're all alone in that feeling. Like no one else knows how you feel, you know, that kind of thing. And that's the hardest part, I think, sometimes. And so I felt like if I wrote this stuff that I feel and that I'm dealing with and I put it out there and then someone comes up to me and goes, hey, I feel the exact same way, you know, or I've, I'm dealing with this and this, this song captures how I feel or anything like that, it makes me feel less alone. And I hope it would make them feel less alone, you know. I think that's like, I think that's part of the thing is feeling alone sucks and whenever you have something that you can relate to all of a sudden it it makes it not so bad you know as as it was you know you st- there's still the problem there you know but it makes you f- you know it makes you feel like you're not you know the only one dealing with the problem and, I, and that's also one of the reasons why i love those bands when i was growing up is because i was hearing lyrics that was like man this is like well, it, you know, when I got older, especially into high yeah. school and stuff, you know, at first I was listening to the riffs and stuff like that. <laughs> but, you know, you start paying attention to the lyrics and stuff and you go, oh, man, well, like, wow, this is I feel this way. Uh, and I, I think that's very important. You know, I think that's extremely important. I think that people should be able to relate to music. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love bands like Explosions in the Sky. I'm, I'm never going to be able to personally relate because there's no lyrics yeah. or anything like that. But I, it, 
I still relate to it in a way, I guess. Uh, it's still the soundtrack of my life when I'm walking down the street. Of course it is. You know? Of course it is. <laughs> but I, that was something that I was, I've always aimed for with Free Throws lyrics is like I wanted, if I'm going to write in this therapeutic sense and I'm going to put myself out there, I just hope that it makes people feel better the way that it makes me feel better when people tell me that they relate to it. I was a little bit of a, a rant there. I love it. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's why we do this. You, no, that was really great. I think the, I think when you say that, and a kid, a same thing. He's learning from you about how to act when you say, "Hey, everybody, chill out," or blah yeah. blah blah. It's the same thing when you're saying those lyrics, and that kid goes home and he's like, you know, maybe he's fine. You know, maybe it's he just needs to talk with his parents. He doesn't need to go to therapy. He doesn't. Yeah. Maybe it's something little, but it turned that person to at least acknowledge it Mm -hmm. and talk to someone absolutely and and it's just like with the song burn like better have burn hill that we were talking about earlier that i was so hesitant about putting out because of you know how i was like i don't know if i want to do you know so hesitant to do it uh i've had a few people come up to me and just be like hey like thank you like and i'm like no thank you (laughs) you know like the fact that I put this out there and put myself out there and that they can relate to it, honestly, that helps me just as much as it helps anyone, you know. Um, and it goes back to what that, what is that, word of mouth and yeah. telling someone? Yeah. They were telling you something and that's going to help them and you at the same time. So keep doing that. Yeah. Keep, hey, I really like free throw. I really like, you know, explosions in the sky. <laughs> uh, here's why. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to talk, you know. Yeah. That's why we have a podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I talk so much, people. They usually hear the same stories all the time, so I have to edit them out now. But if I listen to old episodes, there's like the same stories. I, I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> cool, man. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, man. I, I, was, I had a great time doing it. It's very exciting. Uh, it's it's really cool. Like this podcast is very cool because it's just like just talking, you know, just chatting. It's not, uh, you know, you get a lot of like interviews and stuff where it's just like the same questions over and over again and uh, it's nice to kind of just get to talk and like you know actually hear someone else's side of the story too Washed Up Emo fans, thank you for listening to this podcast over the last nine plus years, or if it's your first time, welcome. It has flown by, and I appreciate each and every one of you for listening, and for this current episode you're about to hear. I do have a favor of you. 
I have some books out right now called Anthology of Emo, and Volume 2 was released last fall. I really think you'll dig it if you haven't heard of them. It features guests from the podcast, including Jim Atkins from Jimmy World, Chris Conley from Saves the Day, Travis Shuttle from Piebald, and John Bunch from Sensefield. I've also reprinted Volume 1, so you can order both. Check out the DIY publishing at anthologyofemo.com.